Good morning. And a very warm welcome to our time of worship this Sunday at Kirkgate, especially on Easter Sunday. And if you are with us or if you are joining us online, then be assured of a very warm welcome. Now, can I just raise your attention to one point? The loop system is not working this morning. So sorry about that, but they have a hiccup on it. So no loop system this morning. Please remember that Sunday School is available for any children who are present today or attending on any Sunday. On Saturday, the 30th of April, between 12 noon and 2 p.m., Kirkgate will be holding an open time when all are welcome to come in and view the church. And before leaving, please join the fellowship and have a cup of tea or coffee when you will be very welcome there too. On Wednesday, the 27th of April, Mary Stewart will again be holding another of our musical memories, commencing at two o'clock until 3.20 and with a tea and coffee interval. The last one was thoroughly enjoyed by all who attended. And if you are free, then please come along and enjoy the music when you can clap, sing, and just tap your feet. Don't stop, just tap your feet, thank you. If possible, uh, if you don't mind, if you're intending coming along, please say to Mary, because that helps with the catering side of it. And at the end of our communion service on this Easter Sunday, if you can spare the time, please join with us for a cup of tea or coffee in the large hall. And finally, it is with sadness that I have to report the death of two of our members. Mrs. Christy Morton of Five Chapelton Mains or Drossen Road C Mill. Mrs. Morton's funeral service will be held here in Kirkgate on Wednesday the 20th of April at 2 p.m. That is Wednesday the 20th of April at 2 p.m. and all are very welcome to attend. The second death is that of Mrs. Margaret Andrews, 29 Longfield Place in Salkets. At this point, we have no details of the actual funeral as yet. They will be made available when we are informed. That's all this week's intimations. Thank you. Thank you, Night. Good morning to you all. Uh, and a happy Easter to you all as well. If there is one defining moment in our Christian walk, it is today. Why? Why is it a defining moment? Why is today very important? Anyone? Well, I've been a teacher before, and when I was teaching, I didn't really particularly prefer those who didn't raise their hands when they wanted to speak. <laughs> so I can't, I, I, can't, I can't hear you. Why is today very key and very important in our Christian faith? Christ has risen today. Do you going to say? Christ has risen. If he did not rise from the dead, we could not be here. Perhaps if he had not risen, people could be spending time today showing each other and showing other youngsters that this is where his bones are. And the other fortunate thing for us as Christians is that if you look at, the at our cross, it is empty. He is not on the cross. He is not in the tomb. He is alive. He is next to us. So today, 
if you're joining us online or you are here, I want to invite you to come and witness Jesus is here. Jesus is risen. Come, all you who are weary. Come, all you are, who are tired. Come, Jesus invites you to come and celebrate because he is alive. Hallelujah. He is alive. Come and see. Jesus is healing people. Come and see Jesus is touching people and reviving us. If you are tired and you are here today, well done. Because you should leave this place very much with enthusiasm and strength. We join our, our voices together as we sing as loud as we can. Jesus Christ is risen today.
please be seated and John Stewart is going to lead us in prayer. Shall we bow our heads together as we pray together? Let us pray. Thank you that you promised that where two or three are gathered, you are there in the midst. Lord, we welcome you amongst us this Easter day and celebrate the gift of life that you have lavished upon each one of us. We ask that you would open our ears that we may hear your voice. Open our minds so that we may receive your eternal wisdom. Open our spirits so that we may know your leading and guidance. And open our hearts so that we may receive your wonderful love. Lord God, you love this world so much that you gave your one and only Son, that we might be called your children too. Lord, help us to live in the gladness and grace of Easter Sunday every day. Let us have hearts of thankfulness for your sacrifice. Let us have eyes that look upon your grace and rejoice in our salvation. Help us to walk in that mighty grace and tell your good news to the world. Dear Lord, may I realise afresh today what your death and resurrection mean for me. Forgiveness, freedom and the ability to walk with you through this fallen world into eternity. May I always find my satisfaction in you and your willingness to offer yourself to me. All this we ask in the name of your Son, our Saviour, Jesus Christ, in whose words we now pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Bless us day as any bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debts. We need not temptation, but us from evil. Thank you, John. Our Sunday school have been going through what is called the face of faces of Easter, uh, and I've been asked by Savior to uh, say to you, please pay attention as Dee is going to be narrating for us uh, the story of Easter from where it all began. And Dee, I would like to invite you. So he's got something to show. So please don't only listen but also try uh, to, to look uh, at what he'll be showing you. Jesus looked into Mary's eyes. He could already see the cross. And when he looked into Joseph's eyes, he could already see the cross. Jesus grew up from a baby to a boy, and he and his parents went to one of the biggest celebrations in Jerusalem. But when they went back, they couldn't find Jesus. They checked with his friends, they checked where they were, but they couldn't find him until they went to God's temple. But, and they saw him. When he speak, when he spoke to the priests, they listened. And when the priests talked, he listened. And then the and Mary and then Mary and Joseph asked one of the questions not much children answer. Why did you do this? Jesus said to Mary and Joseph, Didn't you know I would be in my father's house? But Mary and Joseph were confused. 
His father's house was in Nazareth. Jesus grew from being a boy to a man, and then he went to the river Jordan, and he met John the Baptist. He asked John to baptize him, and John looked at Jesus as if he was looking at him for the first time and said, I can't baptize you. You're the Messiah, the one we've been waiting for. But Jesus said it's says in scripture that someone will stand before me. So Joseph, John took Jesus in to the water and baptized him and took him out. The people who were watching saw, saw a dove and God said, this is my son whom I love. Jesus went into the desert and he to look for what his job work was. And then suddenly he heard a voice and it said, turn these stones into bread. But Jesus said, no, bread is not the only thing we can eat and drink. And then Jesus realized he was at the top of one of the, the tallest temples. And then the voice came again and said, if you are really the son of God, jump down to the bottom of, jump down to the ground and the, the God's angels will catch you. But Jesus said, we do not test God. And then Jesus realized he could see all the kingdoms of the world. And then, and then the voice came again and said, I'll make you king of all these kingdoms if you follow me. But Jesus said, no, I um, will be king, but in a different way. Jesus went into a town and then he, and then he found out what his work was. His work was to come close to no, people who no one else comes close to. Jesus came close to an old man, so close that he touched his eyes. This man was blind, so he t came so close and touched his eyes and he healed him so that he could see things he could never see before. Jesus went into Jerusalem for the last time. They thought he would come there to be his king, but they were not listening. <laughs> he didn't come with a fancy horse or came carried by guards. He just came with a donkey, which wasn't even his. <laughs> he went into Jerusalem and teached in God's temple. And on one of the days, he saw an old woman and they, he told his disciples to look at them and said, can you hear how much money she's put? And they said, no. But then a rich man came and even needed help carrying his money. And then he asked the disciples, can you hear how, 
can you hear the noise of the money dropping in? And they said, yes. And then Jesus asked them, who put the most? Some, some, some said the old woman, some said the rich man. One of the Roman guards saw Jesus doing this and they said, we'll get him on Thursday. So that night, Jesus and his disciples went into a house and then he took a piece of bread and said, if, if you eat this bread, I'll be with you. And then he took a cup of wine and said, if, if, I, if you drink this wine, I'll be with you. So then they all went to Mount Olive and Jesus started to pray. But suddenly, when he was done praying, he saw Judas. And Judas gave a kiss to Jesus as a sign that the Roman guards could get him. So the Roman guards took him away. And the Roman guards crucified him. And then Jesus died. But on Sunday, Mary and few other women came and the stone that he was buried in was not there. So they knew that Jesus had resurrected. The message is wide and clear. He is risen. Thank you very much, Dee, for that narrative. <laughs> so we join our voices once again to sing together, and we're singing 194, This is the Day, O Church, Arise.
enjoy their time in Sunday school today. Uh, we are turning to the gospel according to Luke, Luke chapter 24, and we're going to be reading from verse 13 through to 35. Uh, please open your Bibles if you have them, um, and please keep them open even during the sermon as well. The passengers headed the walk to Emmaus. On that same day, two of Jesus' followers were going to a village named Emmaus, about 11 kilometers from Jerusalem. And they were talking to each other about all the things that had happened. As they talked and discussed, Jesus himself drew near and walked along with them. They saw him, but somehow they did not recognize him. Jesus said to them, what are you talking about to each other as you walk along? They stood still with very sad faces. One of them, Cleopas, asked him, are you the only visitor in Jerusalem who doesn't know the things that have been happening these last few days? What things, he asked. The things that happened to Jesus of Nazareth, they answered. This man was a prophet and was considered by God and by all the people to be powerful in everything he said and did. Our chief priests and rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death, and he was crucified. And we had hoped that he would be the one who was going to set Israel free. Besides all that, this is now the third day since it happened. Some of the women of our group surprised us. They went at dawn to the tomb, but they could not find his body. They came back saying they had seen a vision of angels who told them that he is alive. Some of our group went to the tomb and found it exactly as the women had said, but they did not see him. Then Jesus said to them, how foolish you are, how slow you are to believe everything the prophets said. Was it not necessary for the Messiah to suffer these things and then to enter his glory? And Jesus explained to them what was said about himself in all the scriptures, beginning with the books of Moses and the writings of all the prophets. As they came near the village to which they were going, Jesus acted as if he were going further. But they held him back, saying, Stay with us. The day is almost over, and it's getting dark. So he went in to stay with them. He sat down to eat with them, took the bread, and said the blessing. Then he broke the bread and gave it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they recognised him, but he disappeared from their sight. They said to each other, wasn't it like a fire burning in us when he talked to us on the road and explained the scriptures to us? They got up at once and went back to Jerusalem, where they found the eleven disciples gathered together with the others, and saying, the Lord is risen indeed, he has appeared to Simon. The two then explained to them what had happened on the road and how they had recognised the Lord when he broke the bread. Amen. And may God be pleased to add his blessing to the reading of his holy word. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you this morning as we are celebrating Jesus being alive. We pray that you open our eyes and our ears to see and to hear. And when we have heard and seen, help us to be witnesses of Christ in the world 
where you keep us. Pray now, may the words of my mouth, the meditation of all our hearts, be pleasing to you, our God and our Redeemer. Amen. A very familiar passage that we have read this morning. And we have before us this morning one of the most vivid and insightful accounts of what happened during the resurrection time. Unfortunately or fortunately, Luke is the only one of the gospel writers that brings this story to us. So often we have different stories in the four gospels and it, sometimes it helps us to actually comprehend and understand when we have read from different versions of the story. But this story is only found in the Gospel of Luke. It is a story that reveals to us not only something about who we are, but how Jesus opens our eyes to see him for who he is. And it is my prayer that today, as we leave this place, as we leave this sanctuary, we will go back with our eyes opened and our ears opened as well. The journey to a mouse is, is both a literal and a spiritual journey, if you are to look at it. On one end, it recounts the story of two disciples who, after the crucifixion and the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, walk seven miles from Jerusalem to the village of Emmaus. On the other hand, it also outlines for us the journey that we all take. And so often we miss the point. We miss the mark. We miss Jesus as he walks with us, as he talks to us. It is also a journey that almost says to us as believers, as we are walking in this life, there are moments and glimpses of life, experiences and things that we meet and we come across. And sometimes, and only sometimes, God uses people to help us to see and to understand things. And if, for anything, this passage for me reminds me so often how when I meet a stranger and they ask me what I do, which I often don't like to say I'm a pastor, um, but it almost triggers in me whenever I talk to somebody that what if, what if it's Jesus? And I think to some extent, it helps me as well to treat people well, because you never know, it might be an angel, it might be Jesus. Um, so that is at the back of my mind whenever I talk to a stranger. Now I want to invite you to notice with me as we celebrate our Lord's resurrection this morning, how Jesus touches the life of these two disciples. There's no doubt we are celebrating Easter Sunday and it is a day of great victory. It is a day of great victory because without the resurrection, there is no Christianity. No wonder why it almost makes sense for some people to say Christmas and Easter are the days to be in church. Because we see at Christmas Jesus coming into the world and on Easter Jesus being raised from the dead. 
Now, if anything, we are able to connect with this passage this way. For two years, we have been in, in the midst of the pandemic. And I think there's no doubt that there are so many of us who are exhausted. Some of us are tired. Some of us have been on this journey and we are so sad. Because to some extent, some have waited and have been waiting for Jesus to come through and just take away this pandemic. And another second reality is why this passage is so relevant to us is so many of us, when we have experienced Easter Sunday like today, we're so pumped up. And we may be pumped up so much or energized so much that we leave this place ready to take on anything because Jesus is alive after all. But not so long we start to forget and we start to lose focus. We start to lose the grip. Maybe I could pose a question here. Are you excited about the victory portrayed by Easter? Are you excited about the fact that Jesus is alive? Are you excited or is it something that you're just used to and you're so used to Easter Sunday that you have lost the essence of it? So our story this morning, keep your Bibles open, our story this morning begins with the said a mouse disciple leaving Jerusalem. On their journey home, they met Jesus, we are told. They did not recognize him, and they told him their troubles. I think it is important to join Jesus and these discouraged disciples and to see specifically how Jesus mended their broken heart. Because if we, we see how he did it, perhaps we might have a glimpse of how Jesus will mend our own broken hearts. We read, as they journey to Emmaus, they talk sadly of recent events. And in this sadness, Jesus draws near. It is amazing to note that their conversation reveals their broken hearts. Jesus said to them, what are you talking about to each other as you walk along in verse 17? And I love this. They stood still with with said faces already you can see it i can't really try to portray it better but it is if you meet someone who has been disappointed and imagine yourself you can't picture it obviously but imagine yourself when you're disappointed when you've been expecting a lot this is how it looks for them sad faces and I can imagine them standing still as they are looking at Jesus, who is the one who is ready to mend their hearts, and they are facing him. And of course, when, when there are two people, one has to be brave. One of them, we are told, Cleopas, asked him, are you the only visitor in Jerusalem? who doesn't know the things that have been happening these last few days. And something powerful about what Jesus did with these two men, he asked them, what things are you talking about? 
And I think for me, again, coming back to what I said about myself, anytime someone asks me, what do you do? And I try to play around with words sometimes, and sometimes I will just get to the point and I say, I am a servant of God. And whenever they ask me then, what does that mean? Which is an opportunity to share. It's like these two disciples, they've been given an opportunity by Jesus. It's as if Jesus is saying to them, okay, you've been worried about me. Now here I am, tell me about me. Can you imagine that? And as Cleopas responded, he clearly says few basic things about Jesus. And I want us to look at the four things that he said about Jesus. And the first one is this. He said, in essence, he's saying Jesus was a prophet. It's very basic. But Jesus is more than a prophet. We know that, right? This man was a prophet and was considered by God and by all the people to be powerful in everything he said and everything that he did. So this is the first thing about Jesus. According to these two disciples, he was a prophet. Now the question to you is, do you just see Jesus as merely a prophet? Let's get to the second thing. Jesus, they said he was condemned to death. He was condemned to die. In verse 20 we read, our chief priests and rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death and he was crucified. And, and, and this is a basic truth about Jesus. He had to die. He came into this world so that he would die. But that's not the end of the story. The end of the story is he would be present with us as he is present today. And I think sometimes, just with these two aspects, if we do understand Jesus as, as a, a mere prophet and as someone who was condemned to die, we may miss the point. And that's why you will see later on that Jesus is, is like frustrated. It's almost like saying, wake up, because you don't get the sense of what it means that I have come to be with you. The third thing that... Cleopas did in verse 21 was this. He said something very powerful. And I think most of us, we can identify with this. Jesus was expected to redeem Israel. This is a basic truth about what they understood about Jesus. Even today, people expect Jesus to come and stop things and stop COVID-19 and stop the wars that we're having. It's still an expectation today. And in verse 21, we read, and we had hoped, we had hoped that he would be the one who was going to set Israel free. And I think I sit today and there are some who are saying, we had hoped that he would be the one to stop this COVID-19, but he's not doing it. Maybe we are limited to that point. But I want to proclaim it to you today and remind you that this is just so basic about Jesus. It's, it's a glimpse of who he is, but it's, he's bigger than that. The fourth thing that Cleopas said about Jesus is this. Jesus' tomb had been found 
empty. Jesus' tomb had been found empty. We read in verse 22 and 23, some of the women of our group surprised us. They went at dawn to the tomb but could not find his body. They came back saying they'd seen a vision of angels who told them that he is alive. Does that hit a nerve for you this morning? Does it hit a nerve as he is explaining but could not find his body? They came back saying they had seen a vision of angels who told them that he is alive. This is the fourth thing that Cleopas said. So after he has given them an opportunity to express what they understood about him, and surely they have failed. Jesus then begins to mend their hearts. He has seen that they don't have the full picture of who he is. And he starts to do something that I hope and pray that God can do once again for us today, right here and right now in this service. Jesus starts to give them a glimpse of the resurrection. In his resurrected form, he is the healer of broken hearts. And look at verse 25, then Jesus said to them, how foolish you are. How foolish you are. I mean, by the way, he's not trying to say that, well, you, you, you are foolish or something like that. He's just saying, he's puzzled at their Response. He's saying how foolish you are to have missed the point. How foolish you are to almost even in your description of me, you are failing to articulate that we are still hoping that he will redeem Israel and set us free. We are still expecting that he would heal our wounds. How slow you are to believe everything the prophets said. I almost want to point to myself and say how foolish I am and so slow of me to believe what the prophets have said about Jesus because he is not in the tomb. He is not on the cross. He is alive. And then Jesus goes on to say in verse 26, was it, not, was it not necessary for the Messiah to suffer these things and then to enter his glory? Was it not necessary? And I think what, what I want you to understand together with me as we read verse 25 and 26 is this, they had believed in him before. They had seen miracles before. They, now they just had the nice things to say about Jesus. They'd expected miracles. They'd seen miracles. Now they doubted his resurrection. There was low of heart to believe. Once they had dared to believe, but now they were beginning to be doubtful. Look, they say, we had hoped. In other words, they're not hoping anymore. Once they had expected redemption, now they were now beginning to lose their focus of redemption. Once they were thrilled, now they were just being chilled and giving up. And I love this. Jesus, beginning at Moses, he taught them the scriptures. 
What a Bible study that must have been. I wonder how Jesus was explaining these things to them. And I wonder how they could not still get their hearts beating faster and and getting to say, no, 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 no. There's something amazing about how you are explaining Jesus to us. And yet, Scripture tells us that their eyes were not yet opened. And I, I want to almost say something to you. I've struggled a few weeks ago with things in my own life and in my own faith. And I was getting almost frustrated with Jesus. And I kept saying, Jesus, show yourself. I kept saying that. And I kept saying, Jesus, heal people because we pray that you may heal. We pray that you may touch people. And I think one of the things that has happened to me or is still happening to me is the restoration as the Bible gets to be real to me. As I went back to scripture and went back to reading the Bible and look here, this is what is happening. Jesus is opening scripture to them. The Bible applied to our lives, the word of God does something to us. Could you imagine how Jesus set their hearts on fire as he opened scripture to them, as he opened the promises of God according to to the Bible, and then they began to understand slowly but surely they were filled, their hearts were filled with a sense of excitement again because scripture was making sense of Jesus to them. Yes, Jesus was standing in front of them, but scripture was just beginning to mold them back again to be the real people who believed. And the Bible says as they came near the village to which they were going, Jesus acted as if he were going further. But they held him back saying, stay with us. Do you see something here? When the word of God was said to them, they, they, they got excited. They wanted to spend more time with the stranger. They wanted to spend more time and hear more and, and get to understand more because the word of God was doing something deep inside them. If you are about to faint or you're about to lose your energy or strength, go back to the word of God. Go back to the word of God and read it. So the Bible says he went to stay with them. And I want you to see something bigger here in verse 30. We read this. He sat down to eat with them. He took bread and said the blessing. Then he broke the bread and gave it to them. I want you to look at me if you are able to. He sat down with them. He took bread, he said a blessing, and he broke it. I want you to see that at this time, some things, they take us taking part. As they were breaking bread together, he could be able to show his hands and then all of a sudden, they were able to see the nails on, the, on his hands and ow, oh, and then the excitement was coming in. He sat down and ate with them. 
took bread and said a blessing. Then he broke the bread and gave it to them. Verse 31, then their eyes were opened and they recognized him. And then of course they start to say, did not our hearts burn with us, within us? While he talked with them, the way he talked with them, while he opened the scriptures to them. And I want to almost finish there where it says they are burning hearts. It's as if now they are looking back and saying, our, our hearts should, be, should have been burning then when he was opening scripture. But it only took him breaking bread that we are now pumped up. I want to say three things and then finish. As soon as he broke the bread with them and ate with them, their eyes were opened. And I want to say to you, I want to suggest strongly to you that there are some things that take breaking of bread together in the presence of Jesus for our eyes to be opened. And for these people, for these two disciples, as soon as this happened, three things happened. They changed their direction. They couldn't sit in, in their home anymore. They were given energy to travel seven miles back to Jerusalem. Do you see that? Secondly, The opening of their eyes as their hearts were beating faster. They wanted to seek for other Christians. They wanted to seek for fellowship and to meet with other Christians. The Bible says so in verse 33. Now what is ironic is this. So often Christians when they feel, today Christians when they feel like they are pumped up, they will say, I don't need to go to church anymore. I don't need others anymore. I can do this on my own. I can spend time with Jesus. I can read my Bible on my own. And yet you hear here, as soon as they broke bread together and their eyes were opened, they, they realized, no, not the two of us. And yet so many times we read the Bible where, where it says where two or three are standing in Jesus, and Jesus is there. They were two. Could have, that could have been doing it, and yet it was not enough. They went back to Jerusalem to look for others, and thirdly, they wanted to be a blessing to others. They didn't just change direction to say, we are not sitting, they went back to Jerusalem. Not only that, they went to look for fellow Christians, and thirdly, they wanted to bless others the way Jesus had blessed them. What about you? Today, we come and we're coming to the table of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Once God has done it, and I'm praying, this is my prayer as I finish this sermon. I want to pray that God would set our hearts on fire 
that we will go back, we'll change direction, we'll change the way we behave, we'll change the way we relate with other people, we'll change the way we talk about Jesus. Not as merely as a prophet or someone who was deemed to die, but as God who is alive. And secondly, if we can just be set on fire that we go looking for fellow Christians, then this church would be different because we can't do without others. These spaces, we need people to fill in these spaces. We need young people, we need your grandchildren. We need other grandchildren of other friends of yours. And if we can do those two things, that's not enough. If only we can be a blessing to others, that others would say, there's something, then others will understand the essence of Easter. Easter is when we have had fellowship with Jesus so much that it changes the way we think, it changes the way we do things, it changes the way we value things, it changes the way we are so selfish sometimes about ourselves, it changes the way we care about people. And when I'm talking about caring about people as I close, I'm not talking about only caring about people in Ukraine. I'm talking about people who are neighbors to you, people who are a stone throw from you. Before you go to Ukraine, start in Jerusalem, and our Jerusalem is right where you stay. And this is a challenge for us. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Let us pray. <laughs> Giving God, creator of all that we have, all that we are. On this Easter day, the day we have been waiting for, the day when you give us everything, we bring to you our offering, our tokens of dedication to you, to your church and to your mission, to your ministry here and everywhere. Accept them, Lord, we pray, and use them for your good and the good of your people. Oh God, we are frail human beings. We long for contact with others. We need to know the touch of hand and embrace a hug, a kiss on the cheek. And COVID has robbed us, many of us, of this simple act. Lord Jesus, seeing you and touching you were of vital importance for those men and women who were witnesses of your resurrection. As we gather today, celebrating Easter in troubling times in our lives and in our world. Some of us are happy. Some of us are sad. Some of us are struggling. Some of us are thriving. We pray for ourselves that your love will be our strength and our shield, that we will walk always with Jesus on our hearts and on our minds and on our lips. On this day of celebration, we bring to you prayers for those in pain, all those loss and all those struggling in a world of inequality, help them to be bound up in your care, to know your presence and to know your love. Help us to support them. On this day of rejoicing as we look back to the resurrection and forward to your promises, Lord, we pray that your peace reign in this world and in our country and in our city. 
On this day of wonder, this day of Easter, we bring to you our prayers for our church, for your church in the world. Help us to remember why we join together in the midst of our singing, in, our, in the midst of our speaking and activities, our outreach and our hopes and our dreams for things that we know for sure and things that we're not sure of. Lord, I'm praying for a touch and I'm praying that, Lord, you open our eyes and ears. May we experience you as we leave this place that we can be able to refuel other people, Lord, because you're good and your love endures forever. All this we pray for in us, in Jesus' name. Amen. <laughs> Friends, before we sing, I want to invite you to this table of our Lord Jesus Christ. This is Christ's table where all people who love him are welcome. Those who are full of praise, those who are full of war, those for whom life is bringing joy at this moment, those for whom life brings challenges. Whoever you are, come. Whatever you're facing, come. Christ meets you here offering you love and grace. Come to Christ's table. Knowing Christ welcomes you to this table. You don't have to be a member of Kegget to come or a member of Church of Scotland. As long as you love Jesus, come. I therefore take these elements of bread and wine to be set apart from all common use to this holy use and mystery. We sing together him 24 or 18 and 19.
please be seated. Christ walked with friends and strangers along dusty roads and rocky shores, on beaches and in hillsides, at bedsides and gravesides. He taught and healed, he laughed and cried. He lifted people up or get, got down beside them. And on the night he was betrayed, he gathered some of those friends around a table in the upper room. He washed their feet and taught them to serve. He fed their minds and bodies and taught them to share. He took bread, blessed it, and broke it and told them, this is my body broken for you. And then he took a cup and told them, this cup symbolizes a new beginning with God made possible because of my death. Do this to remember me. And so we take this bread and this cup and we give thanks to God for these symbols of grace. Let us pray. Gracious God, pour out your Holy Spirit upon us and upon these, your gifts of bread and cup. By your Spirit, unite us with the living Christ and with all who seek to follow in his life-giving way, that we may further your reign of peace and justice in every place. In the eating of this bread and Christ's body and in the sharing of this cup is Christ's blood. We invite your life to fill us. We invite your spirit to lead us evermore, faithfully to be the body of Christ in the world. All glory and honor are yours, eternal God, now and forever. Amen. In this bread, we know Christ's body broken for us. We share the feast together the body of Christ broken for me. In this cup, we know a new relationship with God. We do this in remembrance of him. And Jesus said, every time you eat this bread, and drink this cup, you proclaim the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ until he comes again. So we take these elements of bread and wine as we proclaim once again that he is alive, the body of Christ broken for you.
Holy and gracious God, here at this table, your promise of life is made tangible. We have rested in the depth of your love. We have tasted your nourishing, nurturing presence. We accept you into our bodies, into our lives. And together at this table, you have offered us life. Together by your grace, we accept the life you offer. And we give you thanks for that. We pray that, Lord, as you continue to empower us to seek for others and to change the way we, we have been doing things for your good and to be a blessing to others. Help us and enable us, even when we don't have the best words or the best action. Lord, you will be with us. You will go with us. You will go before us and you will go behind us. All this we pray for and ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Why don't we proclaim once again as we make this big thing as we sing our next hymn where we are saying, we are saying Thine be the glory.
Amen. May Easter's incredible joy fill you and those you love, those who are neighbors to you, those you come across on the streets. The blessing of God the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit be with you and go with you, protect you, guide you, now and evermore.